Today's reading is from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. Jesus answered, Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came out of the water. Heaven was opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I dearly, who I dearly love. I find happiness in him. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. This is my son, who I dearly love. I find happiness in him. Would you pray with me? O oh God, who loves us, who finds happiness in us, may we open ourselves to you to know that grace that is always ours, to know how deeply we are loved. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus comes to John and says, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. These are the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And this Sunday is an invitation as we celebrate the baptism of Jesus to remember what baptism is. What does it mean? What does it mean today and to us now? The book of Matthew, um, as um, for those of you who don't know, I usually preach off what's called the lectionary. It's the, uh, the readings that are assigned through, um, I don't know who exactly assigned the lectionary, but, um, but most churches, um, as particularly mainline churches, are reading off the lectionary. Um, and so there's always a gospel text, a psalm, an Old Testament text, and a New Testament text of some sort that's not a gospel. <clears throat> and so when I get to each Sunday morning, I try to choose um, which one I'm going to do. And, and there's usually a theme for the year, like you're reading through certain books. And this year, it's a three-year cycle. This year, the, cyc the cycle really takes us deep into the book of Matthew and the Gospel of Matthew. So, so we'll be hearing a lot about Matthew probably this year. Um, the book of Matthew was written in the town of Antioch after the fall, scholars think, of Jerusalem in, 80, in or 70 CE. And so uh, it's a small community in the town of Antioch, a, a community that is Jewish, and yet outside of the synagogue community, looking for um, how to maintain their identity with Jesus and also their identity as part of the Jewish community. 
and struggling with um, the fact that they're outside kind of the mainstream of where Judaism is moving at that time. So, so this community is marginalized. They're looking for stability and grounding. They're trying to figure out who they are and how they hold their faith. And the Gospel of Matthew is written to this small community looking for that. It's looking to strengthen them. There's a commentator named Warren Carter who writes that the Gospel of Matthew legitimates a gospel, a marginal identity. The gospel legitimates a marginal identity and a way of life for the community of disciples. Now, I'm particularly taken with this, um, with Warren Carter's take on Matthew and this idea of marginality, this idea that um, the, the community that is reading Matthew is, is participating in a few different worlds. They're part of the, the stream of Judaism. They're part of the Roman Empire in which they live. They're part of their town, and they're also part of this small group who's trying to figure out what does the message and life of Jesus mean to us and how can we follow that. And particularly in following that, that makes them marginal to everything else. Warren Carter says that marginality means participating in multiple worlds, in being um, in some ways able to be part of, of one reality and also another at the same time. And he says that what Matthew is advocating is a voluntary marginality. So some of us are marginalized just by, by the fact of our birth, maybe where we're where we're born or where we find ourselves or, or something that makes us different than everyone else. But there's also a sense of a voluntary marginality that we choose to, to move outside of identities um, that are placed upon us or the culture around us and to live in such a way that is different, that is just a little bit outside. So it's a choice to, to, be, to choose to be marginal is to choose to not belong to the center of things, which in some ways allows us a freedom to choose our values, to choose our community, to choose uh, our actions. For instance, if, if we only allow our identity as residents of the Silicon Valley to identify us, then we will have a hard time relating to maybe other parts of the country or other parts of the world in which they think differently. And yet most of us, we make these choices all the time, to, to move a little bit outside the center of that in order to, to understand a different perspective. Many, most of us here are citizens of the United States, and yet we choose to not only allow our citizenship to define us, we, we look outside to the perspective of people in other countries. Maybe we um, have a certain identity as a certain ethnic group, and yet we continue to, to move outside to be able to see things from outside of that. And so this is the kind of thing that, that Matthew is trying to get at with his listeners to say your invitation is, is to move outside of your primary identities and, and to follow Jesus, that the invitation of Jesus is into this voluntary marginality in which, in wherever you find yourself. 
And so Matthew places the baptism of Jesus as the first event, the first words that Jesus speaks right off the bat in the Gospel of Matthew. Because Jesus coming to be baptized is a voluntary margin, voluntarily marginal event. That Jesus comes out, out of the city into the wilderness where John is baptizing. And John is particularly doing that in this place in which allows him to somewhat critique what's happening with the religious authorities in Jerusalem. He's standing outside of the temple and inviting people to come away from that and to identify with, with uh, what he would say would be almost a more of the heart of the message. And in that act of baptism, he's inviting them to repent to renew, to, to recommit themselves to following God. And so many people ask, why would Jesus do that? Because our, our idea of Jesus is, is that he would not be someone that would need to repent. <laughs> he would not be someone that needs to come to be renewed. He would not be someone who needs to, um, to be washed or, or cleansed. And you know, whatever, whatever Jesus' own personal needs were or desires around that, it's a powerful choice. That Jesus would choose to come outside of the center of where things are and to be identified with the margins. To become a part of, of this message that John was bringing that things need to be renewed and need to be different. And in that, that Jesus would choose a solidarity with John. That Jesus would choose interdependence with the community. Jesus' choice to move to the margins is to say, I belong to you, to this community, just as you belong to me. And we, as time has developed and as Jesus continued to speak, we, we understand what Jesus was saying he belonged to was God's kingdom, was this different way of thinking. And truly, as, as Christians, this is the invitation that, that Jesus is continually inviting his followers to and we continue in, is to make our voluntary marginality a choice to be live in the kingdom of God. And to prioritize that kingdom, some people say the kingdom of God, Greg Boyle says the kinship of God, to live with those values over anything else. <laughs> so baptism has meant a lot of things in the church. And isn't it interesting that we would take the, something that was about being at the margins, something that was about choosing to not just go along with the way things are and made it um, kind of a, a gateway for, for righteousness or a gateway for salvation when, when actually baptism is a choice of, of moving outside of those things, of being defined by something bigger than what the institution tells you. You have to be defined by whatever that institution is. But I believe this is what's at the heart of baptism. Baptism is a declaration of belonging to God. It's a declaration of belonging to a community. It's a commitment to, to voluntary marginality for the sake of God's love and the sake of the kingdom.
And so that's why when we talk about our mission statement being a base camp to build a more loving world, that's our kind of our idea. You know, we come here to remember who we are, that we belong to something more than the various identities that want to define us, that our identity truly is and our, uh, is to be a part of God's kingdom. And that, that sometimes makes, means that we have to choose to move to the margins of other identities in order to live those values. This week when I was in Chicago, I was able to tour the Andy Warhol exhibit at the Art Institute of Chicago. And one thing I learned that I did not know about Andy Warhol is that he was a very devout Byzantine Catholic. And he had a very strong and devout faith that he was in church um, almost every day. He prayed at um, the local Catholic church and that the, his Catholic faith was deeply important to him. And at one point he went to Rome to meet Pope John Paul II, and that was, um, there's just one photo, and you can almost read the emotion in, in Andy Warhol's face as he meets the, uh, the Pope. But one of his pieces that they had there was called Crowd, and it was of the masses lined up in front of, in St. Peter's Square, in front <coughs> of the, the basilica there. And the commentator on the, um, you know, on the little the piece uh, that was next to it to interpret it said it was curious that Andy chose not the Pope to make an image of, but that he chose the crowds. And that this was perhaps actually a theological statement, said this little explanation, that, that the focus should be not on the one who was up front, on the Pope, on the ceremony of the church. The focus should be on the crowds out there. Meaning, who wears the robe and crown? You do. We do, together as a community. That our, we are defined not by, by power, that not by authority, not by all of those trappings of wealth and... Um, of authority, but by belonging. Jesus joins us in baptism, choosing to join with us to be in the crowds, and we join Jesus. Baptism is not the end. Baptism is the beginning of entering into formation in that different kind of identity, of trying to understand what does it mean to choose marginality what does it mean to live outside of these identities that are put onto us how do we leave behind lesser allegiances how do we make our identity the love of God so that we are free to love the world Walter Brueggemann says this the crisis in the US church has almost nothing to do with being liberal or conservative it has everything to do with giving up on the faith and discipline of our Christian baptism and settling for a common, generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. This year, um, in, as an election year, this is my commitment to you to remember that that you have different allegiance, 
that no matter where we are on the political spectrum, no matter what, where people are trying to pull us and tell us what boxes we need to fit into, that we belong to the kingdom of God, that we belong to those who follow Jesus, that we belong to the one who, who went outside of those identities in order to be baptized in the wilderness and to provide a space in which we can gather and remember that each week, to provide reminders to, to pray each day, to take time to ground ourselves in this identity. This is why we are community together, so that we can remind each other that we are dependent on each other and we're not on our own. So this year, as our allegiances are called for by politicians or our allegiances are called for by our pocketbooks or by our desire for comfort and entertainment, the invitation is, will we go deeper? Will we choose to find that our deepest belonging is in God?